Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. As we dive into this message today, I started a series last week and we talked about how we are better together. And this is a message about unity. And it's not about just not fighting as a, as a people, not being in conflict. It's about being in harmony. And when we get our heart set on the same vision. And uh, as I talked about last week, it was about unity of vision. That if we'll be all in the same mindset And this is what we said unity looks like. So this is our working definition for this message. Unity is going in the same direction at the same speed with the same attitude. So just a few moments ago, in in unity of worship, all right, just give you... Now, I'm not talking about worship today in in detail. We're going to talk about that next week, what unified worship looks like, all right? But today... When I talk about unified worship, when I talk about unified prayer, when I talk about unified vision, it's we're all going the same direction. And there have been times where, you know, I have said uh, to, to different people, man, just, just lift your hands up. Uh, and I would say, say that. And I've had some people to say to me before, multiple people just throughout 35 years of ministry said that, you know, well, sometimes I don't raise my hands because well, I just don't. You know, I don't feel led to do that. And I'm like, listen, listen, you're missing the point. You are being led. I led you. I asked you if you would raise your hands. And so that was me leading you. And, you know, so many times we, we, uh, we really kind of blame Holy Spirit for stuff. And, and we're really using the Holy Spirit as, a, as like an excuse, basically, um, to... Uh, validate our own preferences and desires. We'll say, well, Holy Spirit didn't lead me to do that. Yes, he did. He led you through a leader. He led you through your small group leader or your worship leader or whomever. He led you through that person. I was talking to somebody this week and we were talking about, you know, they said, well, I, I, haven't, uh, I haven't heard from the Lord yet. And I said, well, you don't need to hear from the Lord on that one, like in an audible way or in any other kind of way, because you already have this. Like, that's something that, you know, we don't need any more clarity on. It's like super clear right here. And so if, if we're all unified, going the same direction, so it's like, man, what is the leader saying? Meaning, meaning whoever the leader is, Holy Spirit, a person, a small group leader, a worship leader, uh, the, the husband of the house, the wife of the house, your parents, your, your boss, whatever. Getting in alignment with that vision and, and going at it with the same passion, the same speed, the same attitude. And so in this series that we're talking about just better together, Listen, we can get more accomplished when we're doing it together. And we talked last week about how we can get off on a different tangent and it slows the vision down. It slows whatever it is that we're trying to accomplish down. We can do it, 
but it will take either longer or it'll be harder. But man, when we come together and we're unified, what we can do together is so much greater than what an individual can do. And so I want you to to look at this. Other than Christ himself, nothing is feared more by a legion of demons than two or three believers united in prayer. That's a big statement right there. I want to I say it again. Other than Christ himself, we, we know that that's what they fear most. But other than Christ himself, there is nothing that a legion, and what are, what are legions? Tens of thousands of demons. There is nothing more uh, feared by a legion of demons than two or three believers united in prayer. There are a couple of things that are super important. Two things that are very important to the presence and the power of God in a local body of believers. And these two things are prayer and worship. Those two things are vital. Yes, there are other things, but these two things are vital to having the presence and the power of God. We we know this, that uh, as far as the God inhabits the praises of his people, So like when we get together, we don't just sing songs. We don't just come together and sing songs. I had a friend one time, and it's like he told me, our worship is 14 minutes. That's all they have allocated in their service. And I'm like, well, that's great for your church. But for our church, it's however long God wants to, you know, to to move in that vein. And, you know, and, and... You know, if it's 14 minutes, great. If it's five minutes, wonderful. If it's 50 or two hours or whatever. But we're, we're united in the fact that, like, when we come into the house of the Lord, God inhabits the praise of his people. That's, a, like, the, that's like the duck call for the Holy Spirit. I'm not a hunter, but I grew up around hunters. And, you know, you have these different calls. And it's like, I'm telling you, prayer will call. Worship will call Holy Spirit. The second thing is, is this, that Jesus himself said in, um, in Mark eleven seventeen he says that my temple will be called a house of prayer for the nations. So he's like, when we get together, the scripture says, it's not a house, this is not a house for seekers. I, I agree with the whole seeker-sensitive thing. That's great. That's wonderful. This is, this is not a house uh, even for the church. It's not, it's not for, the, for whatever we want to happen. It's not a house that's uh, built for attractional worship. I'm telling you, we could have more people here today if, if we did some things differently. I've had people to tell me, if you'll do some things differently, you'll have more people. And I'm like, yes, but I don't care. I don't want to just have more people. I've had more people before, and you've heard me say this before. More people, a lot of times, it's just a big headache because it's like they're not in alignment with the house's vision and the heart of the house. It's like we're building a church, where, and we're build, or sorry, we're building people. We're not necessarily trying to build. If we're doing that, we're doing it way, way, way wrong. But at the end of the day, I've told you that I stand before God. And God is not going to ask me how many programs we did that went well. He's not going to ask me a lot of things. What he's going to ask me is, were you faithful? Were you faithful to the things that I've spoken to you? Were you faithful to the flock that I've given you to disciple them? And so these two things are important to any house. He said, 
out of all of those things that my house could be called. It's not even a house of great preaching. It's a house of prayer is what he said his house would be called. And as we look into the scripture today, and I'm gonna, I, I really am going to try to, uh, to speed this through, um, and I'm not good at that. But here's the problem with prayer, guys. As I talk to us today about unified prayer, all right, here's the problem with prayer. Most people, their understanding in the body of Christ is supplication prayer. If you don't know what supplication, the root word supply, it means give us this day our daily bread. Take care of me, God. God, I got this problem at work. God, I got this wife that won't get in uh, alignment. God, I got this money problem. God, I got this health problem. God, I got this. I got all of these, you know, and we take all of that to God. And the problem is that many people only understand prayer in that context. And so that's a very elementary level of prayer. I'm not trying to belittle you today if that's where you are. What I'm trying to say is, hey, there is a whole nother multi-levels of prayer to go into. Because I remember when I was at that point when I only understood prayer as God give me things. And I wasn't even thinking that I was greedy or anything like that or selfish. That's only what I understood prayer to be was simply asking God to take care of my needs because he was Jehovah Jireh, Lord God, my provider. That's all I understood. But I want us to look at, like, what does, what does prayer look like? What does prayer look like? And so uh, unified prayer looks like this. And in Matthew 18, verses 19 through 20 says, again, this is Jesus, again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. All right, so the first thing is this. There's the plurality of believers. Like what does unified prayer look like? It means at least, not just one, but two or three. In other words, more than one. Anything more than one is a plurality of believers. So that when we are going to unify in prayer... We are going to get a group together, and it may just be two people, but two is a majority uh, in, in the spirit realm, all right? So two or three or multiple people coming together, so there's this plurality. So that's what unified prayer looks like. It means us getting people on board with a vision of what prayer looks like. Here's the second thing, partnership. This is an agreement. So he says, if you agree on earth about anything that you ask, all right, so there's an agreement. There are many times where there's a part, there, there is a plurality, but there's not an agreement. Listen to me because this is super important. Like we will have many times in the body of Christ, there's plurality. We got people. 
but there's not partnership. In other words, there's not an agreement. We're, we're, we're over here doing this and over here doing this. And it's like, no, we got to get back to that first message that I preached, a unified vision. We're better together when everybody knows where we're going, when everybody knows what it looks like. And guys, I'm telling you, it amazes me at how we don't listen. Be quick to listen slow to speak, slow to become angry. Be quick to listen. It amazes me that many times in different groups that I lead, I will give directions and there will be people that they will not have listened to the directions and the very thing I ask them not to do, like we're not going to do this, they end up doing that. Well, we're not in, you understand, we're, nobody's fighting with in that group, but it's like we're trying to go this way and they're over there trying to go that way. All right? So partnership is when we come into agreement with one another. And many times, like when somebody, and I'm coming into agreement with how they pray, I remember uh, not too long ago, there was somebody in their family, they were literally facing a life and death situation, like life and death. Their child was going to die, according to the, to, to the doctors. And they were uh, encouraging them to abort the baby. And this is what I asked them. I said, how do you want me to pray? Like, because how you are going to pray is how I'm going to pray. I'm not going to be praying for God to save the baby if you're over there going, well, Lord, whatever you want, and we just don't know. And, you know, I said, you tell me how you're going to pray, and however you're going to pray, I'm going to pray with you. And they said, we are not aborting our child. We are going to stand with this baby, and we're going to believe, and we're going to declare life over him. And I said, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do that. Now, when you got smart folks, neurologists, and, you know, all of these doctors saying, no, there's not a chance, you know, this is not going to happen. And all the different kind of doctors, I mean, doctors all over looking and saying, no, it's not going to happen. Yet here we are, man, I, I can't tell you anything about the medicine field. I don't know anything about that. That's not, but I know God. And I know if God, if God says that we can declare something that's not as though it were, that we're going to declare life into this little one. And, and that little, little guy's alive and running around and playing baseball and all these things now. You know, so if he said it, I believe it. I'll take him at his word. All right. The third thing here, here is you can expect the presence of God. You can expect the presence of God. He says, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be among them. There have been times, can I tell you, because here's what we do. We're like, man, I don't sense God in this place. Listen, that's not God's fault, and I'm not even saying it's your fault. But we got to be careful that we do not base God's approval or God's presence based upon how many goosebumps we feel. Like I'm telling you, I have been in prayer before and I'm like, God, I don't feel your presence in this place. I don't feel your presence. But I know what your word says. I know the enemy's trying to tell me God ain't in this. God's not backing you up. God's not, you know, blessing this. So just stop praying that. No, that's the voice of the enemy. The word says where two or three of us are gathered together, he's here. 
whether I sense him or feel him or I've seen anything supernatural happen, we've got to understand, man, listen to me, we've got to understand that regardless of what our goosebumps tell us, regardless of what our emotions are telling us, we are not driven by the soul, which is the emotions, we are driven by the truth, the spirit, and the, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, where, the, where two or three are gathered, his presence is right there, so we need to acknowledge his presence even though we can't can't feel it. We need to acknowledge and expect his presence to show up even though we may not have any tangible sign. I'm telling you what, real quick, some people who are not in tune with the spirit realm and people who are not in tune with the word and what the word says will give up on a prayer meeting if they don't see something happening real quick. But I've been in many prayer meetings where it's like, where we come together and it's like, man, I don't sense anything and, and what not. And then God manifests himself in some great and incredible way. I've been meeting with, four, uh, with uh, a group of people for four years consecutively every Tuesday night. I've missed a few Wednesday, uh, Tuesday nights, sorry, and they've missed a few. But consecutively for four years, we've had a group meeting for uh, four years as we've done this, there have been times where it's like, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm like, man, I just wish I didn't have to go tonight. But I made a commitment. And I'm telling you, I've been at every one unless I've had something going on. I've been out of town. Every time my body was telling me, man, just you don't have to be at every one. Man, just raise up another leader. Man, just blah, blah, blah. I've gone. I've persevered. I've pressed in. Every time that I've gone to those there has always been a refreshing of my spirit. Why do you think the enemy wants to keep us away from things like that, away from the house of God, away from fellowship, getting us, you know, uh, 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 hang on. I, I still had my, back, uh, my pack on, and I'm hearing a lot of background noise. I want you to understand every time that I've gone, Holy Spirit has shown up. The enemy wants to keep us away from these things, so that we will, he will rob God of worship. He'll rob you of things that you're pressing in and praying for. And look, let's look at this. Satan, he does not fear a prayerless church because it neither has the power nor the presence of God. A church that is not praying, psh, the enemy is not worried about that. He doesn't care how big it is. He doesn't care how small it is. Doesn't care how many missionaries they're sending out around the world. They're just somebody uh, on uh, any assignment like any other business trip. But a church that is praying, a church that is unified in prayer, this is what the enemy is afraid of. The enemy's not afraid of a prayerless church. It has no power because our power comes through prayer. It has no presence of God because that's where God's presence comes into the church is through prayer. So I want us to read Nehemiah chapter 9. And I'm going to actually say chapter 8. And I'm going to read a few places in here. And I'll give you a little bit of background as I'm about to dive into this. What's happening right here, and I, I feel that there's something prophetic on this. Because whenever... Um, this wasn't planned like months ahead of time. This wasn't, it just, it just happened, okay? And I shared with you a, a few weeks ago how I was frustrated with the Lord because I'm like, God, I don't know what the next season message-wise looks like. And then the Lord gave me this. And 
when he gave me this, all of this, I began to read some of this this week. And in Nehemiah chapter 8, I want you to look in verse 1. And I'm only going to read a few verses here. So we, we read last week and we studied a bit about how Nehemiah came back to, to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. We read about how the conflict broke out, but he, he had all the people in, vision, in a line with the vision. All right, what's happening here? The walls are finished. Everything's finished. And now they're calling everybody together. And look at verse 1 in chapter 8. In October, what month are we in? I believe that there's something prophetic on this for us. All right. In October, when the Israelites had settled in their towns and all the people assembled with a unified purpose at the square, just inside the water gate. So a unified purpose, that's vision. So they're getting together. They're fixing to have a meeting at the town square, at the water gate. And this is the next part of that verse. It says, they asked Ezra, the scribe, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given for Israel to obey. So here they are. They're asking Ezra, the scribe, the chief priest, to get together the book of the law, which they haven't had this. They haven't had reading of any of this. Uh, there's much of Israel, listen to me, much of Israel at this time is pretty much illiterate of the law because they've been in bondage and captivity, Babylonian captivity, and so they're hungry for the word. And they're asking him, would you bring the word to the people of God? All right, that's a beautiful sign right there. All right, and then I want you to look at verse uh, 6. So he brings out the book uh, uh, of the law, which is the Bible at their time. And then verse 6 says, Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people chanted, Amen, Amen. And they lifted their hands, and they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And flip over, or sorry, I'm flipping over in my Bible, uh, 13, chapter 13, uh, or verse 13. On October the 9th, the family leaders of all the people, together with the priests and Levites, met with Ezra the scribe to go over the law in greater detail. All right? So not only uh, were they hungry for the word, they're like, can we go deeper in the word? Can we get together and go deeper in the word? And so he begins to study the word out. And as they, verse 14, as they studied the law, they discovered that the Lord had commanded them through Moses that the Israelites should live in shelters during the festival to be held that month. All right, this is what's called the Feast of the Tabernacles. In other words, it's like a big old spiritual camp out. And so what this was, it was a remembrance it's basically a holiday. It's a remembrance of as they were brought out of Egypt into the wilderness, they had to live in tents. And so they, they, would, they would do these things as a memorial to what God had done for them. All right? So um, in verse 18, jump down to verse 18. Ezra read from the book of the law of God on each of the seven days of the festival. And on the eighth day, they had a solemn assembly as the law... as 
was required by the law. Now, a solemn assembly, if you understand what a solemn assembly, they're not getting together for a party. They're not getting together for a program. When they get together for a solemn assembly, what they're doing is they're getting together for a solemn time of prayer. There, it, this is not a praise time, it's prayer time. It's deep worship and prayer. It's supplication, uh, or, or uh, not supplication, it's, it's confession. It's not a time, this is not for supplication prayers. They're not coming to ask God for anything other than uh, maybe forgiveness and repentance and things like that. All right, so in verse 9, on October 31st, the people assembled again. And at this time, they fasted and dressed in burlap and sprinkled dust on their head. So for this whole month of October, in their calendar, they have been uh, praying. They've been seeking God. They've been studying the word. And now they're entering into a deeper time of fasting and dressing in burlap and, and sackcloth and uh, ash. And so uh, the scripture goes on to say those Israelites... Those of Israelite descent separated themselves from all the foreigners as they confessed their own sins and the sins of their ancestors. They remained standing in place for three hours while the book of the law of the Lord their God was read aloud. And then for three hours they confessed their sins and worshipped before the Lord their God. And the Levites... Yeshua, Bani, uh, Kamiel, Shabaniah, Buni, uh, Sherebiah, Bani, and Kanani stood at the door, stairway of the Levites and cried out to the Lord their God with a loud voice. And then in the, at the end down there of verse 5 it says, Then they prayed, and then you have this massively long prayer that they prayed. This massively long prayer. And this prayer was... Almost like a reminder to God saying, God, you did this for us, but we did this. You were good to us, but we failed you. God, you were good to us, but we let you down. God, you were good to us here and you provided, but we rebelled against you. God, you said this and we did that. God, you said not to get offended and we got offended. You said not to murder our brother, but we murdered our brother. You said to do all of these things and we basically did the opposite. And God, we're sorry and we're repenting and they're asking and they're calling out to God. God, forgive Forgive us for what we've done. There's this great in intense time of confession. I'm telling you, when you come together for a solemn assembly, there is an inward reflection. We did it this morning. Psalm 139. Look inward. Find out what's wrong with me. Are you following me? Because all of that stuff was pre the message this morning. And I was like, God, you're basically doing what the message is all about. And so they get in here, and I love their dedication. I mean... It's really kind of sh shameful, you know, where, where the church is in the world today. They stood for three hours. I mean, y'all have to understand, these are not millennials. Th these are not millennials that are, that are standing before the Lord. They stood before the Lord for three hours. They didn't even have to ask to be stand to your feet. As soon as Ezra started reading the scripture, I read it to you just a moment ago, it said they stood to their feet. Because they were in the awe and the presence of God. And as they're, as they're listening to this, they stood for three hours and then they prayed and they worshipped for three hours. Man, just think about it. Think about where we are 
and where they are. They listened to a three-hour sermon. And then they stood and they worshiped for another three hours. Six hours. So, y'all got here at 10 o'clock. Well, y'all got here at 10.30, but I'm just saying. If you get here at 10 o'clock, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3, 4 o'clock this afternoon. Wow. And the thing is, is that, was that an every Sunday thing? No, no, I'm not saying all that. Every Sabbath thing for them? No, I'm not saying all that. What I'm saying is, it's not about how long they spent. It's about just the hunger, the hunger that is there. And then as they're, as they're praying these things, I want you to turn over to uh, um, verse 38 in chapter 9. It says, the people responded in view of all of this. In other words, in view of everything that God has done for us. We are making a solemn vow and putting it in writing on this sealed document are the names of our leaders and the Levites and the priests. And then they go, it goes on to list all of their vows that they made to the Lord. What's happening here, man? These jokers are serious. They are serious about what they're making a vow. Listen, I promise you guys, please. Oh, God, I hope you're, I hope you're getting it. None of this was made up. None of this was premeditated today. Like the word of the Lord that was given and, 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 and him saying, hey, don't just say yes. Don't just say yes, yes. Don't just say yes to be saying yes. Think about your yes. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. Think about your yes. Think about your yes. I'm gonna ask you to hold it. Think about your yes. Think about your yes. Because here's the deal. During that time of, of worship that we were worshiping, God is asking us to hold on, contemplate what we're, what we're about to say yes to, because so many times people will say yes, and they're, they're, they said yes with their lips, but not with their heart. And so the Lord, he's saying right here, he's saying, I want you to think about it. And these people are like, no, we've thought about it. We spent six hours thinking this through. We spent six hours going through this. And this is what's about to happen. We are making a solemn vow. In other words, what they're about to do, they're making a contract. They're making a contract with the Lord. And they're saying, not only are, you know, it's one thing for you to pray it in your prayer closet. Oh, come on, man. It's one thing for you to pray it in your prayer closet. It's another thing for you to say, I want you to hold me accountable to this. Because I've said to some of my prayer partners, I've said, hey, listen, this is what I've been doing. This is what God's been dealing me with. And I've repented of that and I'm going to stop doing that. But this is what I want you to do. I want you to hold me accountable. If you hear me doing that again, I want you to call me out on it. But you remember, you're one of the people that I said, I want you to call me out on that because that's not part of who I want to be anymore. And, and moving forward and what I was making, I'm making a solemn vow but I'm bringing somebody else into it to hold me accountable so that if I start to renege on my vows, somebody's going to hold me accountable, all right? 
So there's a few other things I want to go through. What does it look like? It looks like the promises of God. A unified prayer looks like us focusing on the promises of God. That song that we sang this morning that was a new song that I absolutely love. I'll take you at your word. What does the word say? When When we pray, we have to be praying the word. We have to know what the word says. Psalm 119 talks about how I love your laws, O Lord. I love your decrees. I love your statutes, God. Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Psalm 119 is an incredible book for you to just go and read about the great respect that David had for the promises of God, the word of God. And when we get together and when we pray, we have to pray in accordance with the word. And there are times that I've had people to ask me to pray with them to come into agreement with them into to some things and I'm like I, I, I can't come into agreement with you on that because that's not the word of God that's not the word of God and so what we need to do is we need to go and see what does God's word say about this and then we'll pray in agreement with the word whenever we're praying in agreement we're not praying it listen I'm telling you my friend I've seen this in the body of Christ so many times where we'll go get a prayer partner but we really didn't go get somebody who was following the heart of God they were just misery and they were my company You follow me? And so now we're just wallowing in misery and we're calling it prayer. So we're we're now just praying based upon my hurts and my wants and my desires. And you know what? Instead of what does the word say? Because there are many times that when we go to the word and we know what the word says, that's why they call Ezra, will you bring out the word? Will you bring out the word? We've been without the word for so long. We, 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 the younger generations, they don't know what the word says. We need to bring the word out and we got to get back to the word. I'm telling you, when you pray, when you pray, well, the Lord spoke to me, shut your mouth. The Lord did not say that to you. If you go read the word, are you following me? There are so many times where people say, well, God's, God spoke to me. And I'm like, man, if you use the, you better be careful I better be careful. We all better be careful when we start putting God's word uh, name on a word that he didn't say. What does his word say? What do the promises say? Man, we have to know the word. We have to know the word. I could preach an entire series on the ignorance of the word. The body of Christ. Listen, this this is not me. This is people way smarter than me that are saying The body of Christ is more biblically illiterate than it has ever been in any other period of time, including the times when they did not have a printed version of the word. Are you kidding me? That we are at a time where there is a greater ignorance of God's word than when they didn't even have a printed version? We carry the Bible with us all the time. It's right here on our phone. Like, We've got to know what the word says. We've got to know what the word says about our lifestyle. What promises that are afforded to us. What the word says about who I am. Because if I don't know what God says about who I am, I'll start believing all these other things about myself. So I have to know the word. I have to know the promises of God. If I don't know what the word promises me, how do I even know to ask for it? 
I've been in situations in my personal life where I would go into a business and they would say, oh, well, you have this on your plan. Who knew? Like this whole time. I literally could have gone. One time I paid for a battery. Do you know how expensive batteries are in today's cars? One time I paid for a battery simply because I didn't know my other was under warranty. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I I wish I had known about that promise. If we don't know what the word promises us, if we're ignorant of that, then we will miss so many things and we won't be declaring those things. The fifth thing is this, passionate believers. Man, you gotta be passionate to stand for six hours listening to the word and praying the word and praying to a God You've got to be passionate. When we come together, if we're going to unite in prayer over anything, we need people to be passionate about it. Let me just, if you'll bear with me for just a second. One of my things that I've tried to challenge our church to do is always have an answer. Always be ready. Don't ever, like, I'm just telling you, this is is me. If I'm wrong, man, I'm wrong. But I really don't think I am. Like, I'll see this in my pastor's prayer group that, that I'm a part of. We'll go to prayer, like, all right, who wants to lead us in prayer? Crickets, 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 crickets. Is it awkward now? Cricket. I'm like, what? We are mighty men of God. We should be fighting to pray first. Like, and I, and I literally said this. I said, listen. I'll give y'all, from this point forward, I will give y'all a few seconds. But if nobody has started praying in about five seconds, I'm praying. I will lead the prayer. Because I would rather have our Father, dear Lord, oh, you go first. Are you take no, no you're I'd rather have that than chirp crickets chirp chirp like we are the people of God we need to be j- like Joshua and Caleb let's run to the battle let's don't go like you go first I'll ju- I'll jump if you jump no jump run to the battle dive in being passionate about it telling you Jesus he fought with this he asked his people to pray with him and he comes out they've fallen asleep you know don't act like that ain't ever happened to me because <laughs> I know I have I woke up praying and uh or went to s- fell asleep praying woke up slobbered on my pillow and all of that you know there are times it's okay to do that and there's times it's not there are times where Lord I prayed I've been with you. I've talked to you. I'm just going to go to sleep talking to you. I might fall asleep while I'm talking to you now. But the last thing I'm going to be saying is something, you know, in my mind or thoughts or whatever. And that's a beautiful thing. But that can't be all my prayers, guys. There are times where I got to get away. At the very beginning of this, it says that Israelites, those of Israelite, Israeli descent, they separated themselves from those who weren't. There comes a time in our prayer life where it's like, hey, we're going to have to pull back and we're going to have, like, this is serious. 
It's on like a chicken bone. It's, this, this prayer is on. There's going to be prayers that you'll pray with people at your workplace, but there's going to be prayers with people that are your prayer partners. And that's where you're going to get down. That's where you're going to just go to town praying because y'all are of one spirit, mind, and accord. doesn't mean that you can't have that in the workplace, but there are going to be people that are not going to understand how deep. Their understanding is, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That, the Lord's prayer is as deep as they, as they know. I got a friend that, you know, that, 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 that's, whenever we go to pray, he always prays that prayer. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not judging him. That's just where he is in his faith. That's just where he is in his spiritual life. But I'm like, man, that's good. That's a great model that Jesus gave us. But I'm telling you, man, it's, we, we, we're up against some stuff and we need to pray at a deeper level and we got to come into agreement over it. So passionate people who are on board uh, with what's going on. The sixth thing is this, the power of God. The power of God. So evidence, evidence that shows up. Evidence of God. This is manifestations. It's signs. It's miracles. It's wonders. It's healings. In Acts chapter 1 and 8, it says that when they all got in the upper room in one accord, in other words, their unified vision, unified purpose, when they all got up, up there, he says that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you when you get there. So the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and you'll receive power. So when we come together in, in, in prayer, there's a, an, an empowering that goes on. In Acts 2, uh, chapter 2, verses 2 through 4, it says that when they were praying, what God prophesied to them actually happened. And there was the rushing sound of mighty wind. There was the baptism in the Holy Spirit that took place. Tongues of fire. There was a manifestation of God's glory in there. And then you read on in Acts uh, uh, 4 and 24, you have uh, Peter and John, they've been in prison, but they stood up to their prisoners and they said, listen, I'll tell you, you can let us out of here, but we're not going to be quiet. We're going to go about preaching the gospel. We, who do you think we obey? You or God? We obey God. You do what you got to do. You do whatever your law tells you to do. But as far as us, when we walk out of this building, we're going to go and we're going to pray. And listen to me. It talks about how all of those first century Christians, they got together and devoted themselves to the apostles' uh, teachings, to communion, to prayer, to coming together as a body of Christ. And so they would come together and they would pray together. And then it says that when John and uh, Peter got out of jail, they went back to the body of Christ and they told them what was happening. And, and the scripture talks about how they begin to pray together, that they fell on their faces and they begin to pray. And in that place, there was a shaking of the ground and a mighty move of God and the awe of God fell upon the people. So you understand, this is, they're coming into agreement in prayer. This is, this is a serious, serious need in the body of Christ. And then as we get down to it, uh, let me just uh, say James chapter 5 verse 16 says that the fervent prayer, the faithful prayer, the unified prayer of believers, it avails much. In other words, it produces fruit. There's power there. There's also this thing that in, uh, I believe it's uh, Deuteronomy 32.30, I believe is where it, it's found. And it's talking about um, how one can put a thousand to flight and two can put 10,000 to flight. Now, I want you to 
think, think about this. In our mind, that does not seem possible, but that actually happened. And what actually happened is God was enabling, listen to me, God was enabling the enemies of God to overtake Israel because of their disobedience. And so a lot of times people will say, well, you can't use that because it's out of context. No, it's not. There's a principle there. God's principles bless the unjust because it's a principle. So what's happening here in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 32-30 is the Israelites have been disobedient and so God is about to bless their enemies and give them strength. And he says, I'll, one of your enemies will put a thousand of Israelis to flight. Two of your enemies will put 10,000 Israelis to flight. All right? So God is opposing the proud. He's opposing his own children. But look at this. If that principle will work for the enemy, how much more does it work for the children of God? That's a principle. So if God will cause the enemy of uh, our enemy, one of them to put a thousand of of believers to flight or two to put 10,000, let's switch that around. That in the spirit realm, when two come together, two can put a thousand. One can put a thousand, two can put 10,000. Tens of thousands as we multiply our prayers, we can push back the kingdom of darkness if we come together. For those of you who have been uniting in prayer over these last four years, I want you to think about like how much darkness have we pushed back? Think about how much darker it would have been if we were not holding back the forces of darkness. Listen to me. This is important, church family. Does it look like the enemy's been doing something? Mm -hmm. Does it look like the enemy's been working on people in people's lives? Mm -hmm. Does it look like the enemy has masked and deceived? Mm -hmm. But think about this. So many times we'll miss these things. Think about this. How bad it would have, like, it was bad. But how much worse would it have been if the people of God were not coming back or or coming together and pushing back the forces of darkness? I'm telling you, if if you're a prayer, an intercessor, a prayer warrior, dude, we need you. Listen, um, as I wrap this up, well, pastor, we just, I'm not called to, to, to pray that kind of prayer. There is no calling anywhere I know in the Bible to that. I mean, there might be, and if there is, you go find it and let me know. But there's no, there's no, there's, there's no supernatural gift of praying. There's, there's no supernatural gift of praying. Everybody does it. Everybody does it. Your prayer is as important as my prayer. Like, we all can pray. We all have the ability. And throughout Scripture, I can't remember where I was reading it just recently, but they're like, hey, you know, uh, this person was a man just like we were. Elijah was, was a man just like we were. 
these people in the Bible, <laughs> they're not some superhumans. They're people just like we are. And we have that same power within us. So what can we do with this? This is what we can do with it. All right. Say it with me. Other than Christ himself, nothing is feared more by a legion of demons than two or three believers united in prayer. Hey, let's put the fear of God in the demonic realm. He's scared of us. We're not scared of him. He's afraid of us. We're not, we're not afraid of him. This is how you can activate it. This is how we can apply it. We've already done it some in service this morning. But grow beyond supplication prayers. Grow beyond just asking God to fulfill the needs that you have in your life. Grow beyond that. I'm asking you to learn how to pray prayers that are simply requests list. How do I do that, Pastor Rife? I'm glad you asked. Because the second thing that you could do is you could get involved in a prayer group. A prayer group can be two people. It can be you and one other person. Hold each other accountable. Um, check back up on each other when you're praying over something. Check back up on somebody. See how they're doing. See has God done anything in that. Many times when we pray, this is how we'll pray. We'll pray and we'll let it go. And we won't even follow up to see what has God done. Did God do that? Well, I, just, I hope he did. I hope it came through. No, I'm telling you, we're a God, we're a God of promises. We're a God of breakthrough. We're a God who supplies needs. We're a God of overcoming situations. And it's like, it's not okay for us to pray things and just go, I hope it works out. It's like, no, we're praying and we're holding God accountable. That's not arrogant and it's not sinful. That's what they did in chapter 9. If you'll go read this for yourself, if you haven't already, this is what they did when they prayed. They said, God, we wanted just to remind you that you said this, but we did this. You said this, and you did this. You said you would do this if we came back to you. We know we failed you. We know we rebelled. We know we murdered. We know we stole. We know we cussed. We know we did all of these things. But God, you know what? You said you would do this if we would repent and turn from our ways. You said you would do this. God, you said you would heal. God, you said you would provide. God, you said you would give. God, you said you would come through. So it's like, it's not okay for us to pray prayers and go, okay, God, do what you want to do. No, he is not a man that he, he would lie to us. God delivers. God delivers. Well, he didn't come through for me one time on that one prayer. Yes, he did. I promise you, he did. I don't know what you were praying about. I don't know what attitude you were praying uh, it in. And I don't know if it was God's will for that prayer to happen. But listen to me, church. God always delivers and he's always going to come through according to his word. Get in a group. Get in a group and learn how to pray. We're doing every uh, other Tuesday night. It's the second and the fourth Tuesday nights of every month. For four years we've been meeting. Um, we're doing a Bible study on the first and the third, and on the second and fourth, we have a prayer group. And we're teaching in that prayer group how to pray beyond supplication prayers. And we're, we're growing in that area.
uh, did I have them backwards? So on the first and the third, it's prayer. And on the second and the fourth, it's Bible study. So think about joining, coming to be a part of that.